0: chapter one, in which Sophie talks to hats. In the land of Ingury, where such things as 7 leg boots and (laughs) and cloaks of invisibility really exist, it is quite a misfortune to be born the eldest of three. Everyone knows you are the one who will fail first, and worst, if the three of you set out to seek your fortunes. Sophie Hatter was the eldest of three sisters. She was not even the child of a poor woodcutter, which might have given her some chance of success. Her parents were well-to-do and kept a ladies' hat shop in the prosperous town of Market Shipping. True, her own mother died when Sophie was two years old and her sister, Luddy, was one year old, and their father married his youngest shop assistant, a pretty blonde girl called Fanny fanny shortly gave birth to the third sister martha this ought to have made sophie and letty into ugly sisters but in fact all three girls grew up very pretty indeed though letty was the one everyone said was most beautiful fanny treated all three girls with the same kindness and did not favor martha in the least mr hatter was proud of his three daughters and sent them all to the best school in town Sophie was the most studious. She read a great deal and very soon realized how little chance she had of an interesting future. It was a disappointment to her, but she was still happy enough looking after her sisters and grooming Martha to seek her fortune when the time came. Since Fanny was always busy in the shop, Sophie was the one who looked after the younger two. There was a certain amount of screaming, hair pulling between those two younger two. Letty was by no means resigned to being the one who, next to Sophie, was bound to be the least successful.
1: That was Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynn Jones. This is Book Nookie, and I'm your host, Brian. My guest today, Brittany Marie Bertelsen, is a life coach and entrepreneur, and also my delightful partner and best friend. She has three podcasts of her own. We are trying to be better, fruitful living and Spiritual Bitches of Seattle. You can find her on Instagram at Blythe Mitrals and at Blythe Mitrals podcasts. Now, here's Brittany Marie talking to me about Howl's Moving Castle. Okay, so I, you heard this probably because you listened to Will's episode.
0: I've listened to all the episodes.
1: But I came up with a new thing. For will's episode and i'm gonna make you do it too which is the two minute elevator pitch okay so i'm gonna i have a timer set i'm gonna start the countdown when you start talking and you have two minutes to explain to someone why they should read howl's moving castle and you can say anything you want about the book okay absolutely anything you want you can spoil the whole thing you can spoil the ending spoil the middle Nothing's off limits. Two minutes. Convince someone to read this book.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. It's going to let it, like, you know, flow through whatever comes out.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm not sure if you're ready.
1: No, I'm very ready.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Did you go?
1: I'll start when you start talking.
0: Bitch. Okay. Fine. So, Howl's Moving Castle is a very, charming enchanting story about sophie hatter um it's also about her two sisters and um it's about uh witches and wizards and a fire demon um locked in a curse and uh, a wonderful apprentice and just the relationships between um stereotypes and rumors and uh, misconceptions all wrapped around, again, magic and what I would call like a very low-key fantasy. I think it's like an intro fantasy, which I really enjoy. I'm not big into hardcore fantasy. But this I found to be what most moving because Sophie Hatter is a woman who does not believe in herself. She thinks that she is destined for failure that there's no chance of her having any greatness and is so willing to dismiss any part of her happiness because she's going to follow what fate defines for her. And it's the journey of her coming into her own in a very odd way. <laughs> um, and I just, yeah, it just it completely lights me up and I highly recommend it. All done? I feel like I'm all done. I could have kept going. How, how right. long was that? It
1: was like a minute and 20 seconds. Oh,
0: I could have kept going.
1: Maybe I should set the time limit to a minute to make it a bit more of a, yeah, put some more pressure on you. Put
0: some more pressure on me. Because
1: both you and Will took less than two minutes.
0: Well, I well, I, I thought maybe I had gone over two minutes.
1: I'm going to give you like 30 seconds next time. So that was great. Oh,
0: well, thank you. That was
1: a very good elevator pitch. I'm convinced I'll read it. Would you, though? Just kidding. I already did.
0: <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know if that was descriptive enough to be a good elevator pitch, but, um, it's magical and shit and I recommend it.
1: Yeah. Um, it's
0: very feminist without being like hardcore feminist.
1: Yeah. So let's expand on kind of what you mentioned in your elevator pitch and go over what, what is the book about? Who are the key characters, et cetera.
0: Yeah, so um, you have Sophie Hatter, as I said before, and she is the eldest sister of three. Um, Her parents, they own a hat shop, and what she um, becomes an apprentice to and really brings life back into the business, Um, and uh, then you have uh, Hal, that's another major character, and Hal is a wizard that doesn't like to show up to things. He very much has an issue with, um, thinking really in the future or taking responsibility for things. He, he runs away and, um, he does a lot of things that are perceived to be very heartless. And, um, he's very much an onion that you kind of have to open as you go through the story. And then another major character would be Calcifer. Calcifer is a fire demon who is cursed and trapped in Hal's moving castle. So he's literally moving the castle that Hal lives in. And he's absolutely funny and charismatic. And you first think he's very evil, but you become warmed (laughs) by by him uh, and his humor and and wit and his heart. Wink. Um (laughs) <laughs> um, And then you have... And I, I always forget if it's... Michael? If it's Michael or Meekle. Because in the movie, it's Meekle. So I always remember Meekle. But I think in the... In the,
1: in the but, movie, it's Meekle?
0: Yeah. They changed it to Meekle, I think. That's what I always remember it as. But yeah, Michael. So then you have Michael who is Howl's... Um, he's, he's his apprentice. And he's studying to be a wizard himself. Um, And... Sophie, when she meets them, well, that's well, I guess we can kind of. Can I get into that?
1: You can get into whatever you want, yeah. And do you want to? Would you rather talk about the story within the context of why you love the book and you chose it, or would you rather talk about the story and then
0: I think by me describing it, I'll probably get into why I love it, so I'll just lead with that then. So with those four, in my eyes, certainly being the four main characters, Sophie being the lead, um, it starts out with, with Sophie, you know, as, as you heard the intro that I read, um, it starts out with Sophie really being locked in the hat shop and being locked by being the eldest and being in this fate and having to just kind of go with the flow and not really giving to herself, um, and she, so her sisters end up leaving to other places. Uh, her younger sister, Luddy, um, she gets an apprenticeship at a local bakery and their youngest sister, Martha gets an apprenticeship with another, uh, with a friendly witch that their mother, that their mother knows. And part of the reason why they have these different apprenticeships is because their father dies and their their mother is not able to care for them and is not able to afford to, to really take them and let them continue school. It just was too rough of the way that the hat shop was being left over. Um, and I think also, if I remember correctly, the father had a lot of debt or it was implied at least that there was debt. Um. So there, there was a lot of complications. So they end up, you know, spreading ways. And the youngest is supposed to be, you know, the most successful, right? So that's why she gets to be this, this witch. And Sophie's just kind of stuck in the hat shop. And she ends up talking to the hats. They end up becoming her friends as she sews the embellishments and so on and so forth. And <laughs> so on and so forth. And, um, so she, you know, time passes with our, you know, with both sisters going off and doing their apprenticeships. And Sophie, there's a May Day. She goes and she visits Luddy. And, um, she gets, she gets in a tricky situation. Um, something that happens to a lot of women, if, you know, I don't think it happens to every woman, but a lot of women, where you get trapped into a situation with uh, two um, very strong men, um, and she's she is fearful. Sophie, in general, is very fearful because again, she's supposed to, she's destined to have this failure, so she's you know not very um, courageous or brave for the most part. And um, so she gets locked in the situation, and then a gentleman comes by. And kind of saves her and kind of leads her away from the two, the two men that she was nearby who were definitely going to probably, it's highly implied that it was going to take advantage of her. And um, that, that interaction leads to later that day, the Witch of the Waste a very this very evil notorious witch that's been around for like a 100 years which is very like not normal you know wiz- wizards and witches don't necessarily live longer lives um and she doesn't like that that interaction the man who came near to her and so she turns sophie into a little old woman because she sees her as this competition and, uh, Sophie not knowing what to do. She doesn't want to scare her mother. She doesn't want to scare anyone. She's worried about Hal's, you know, about Hal's moving castle. Hal has been going around market shipping their, their, you know, her city, her town. And has been like, his castle's been kind of hovering in the back you know fields and whatnot and you can see up into the hills and into the distance his his castle moving and it's been known that how uh he preys on what they call the rumors preys on pretty young women and will kill them or you know take their hearts or you know just this he's also supposed to be this evil character and so she doesn't know what to do, Sophie, and even though, you know, Hal's out there, she's like, I, I got to go. I have to leave. I, I I can't stay here. So as this, like, very old woman, probably in her 90s, you know, 80s, 90s, she walks out and she goes on this great adventure and she starts walking towards the Waste, right? The Witch of the Waste. That's where the witch, the witch is. And she's not quite there, but she gets into the field and um, she just, she becomes braver and i think that she thinks like well i i don't have to care like i this this was my failure and like i'm free and if i'm gonna be this old woman i'm gonna go into it and she even makes a joke that like at least my clothes now fit me properly like it's i'm wearing clothes that are suited for my age Um, and she talks life into this walking stick she talks life into um, a dog that she passes by she talks life into a um, into this what she calls a turnip head (laughs) the scarecrow with a turnip head Um, and she she's very enchanting and she finally comes across the moving castle And she's thinking, I don't have any shelter. I have to go somewhere. And she somehow charms the castle to open up a door. And she goes inside. And then she meets Calcifer and the the demon that is cursed to take care of Hal's castle and stay with him. And they make a bargain to he lets her stay and he he, they make a bargain that she has to figure out what is causing his curse and he will do what he can to to cure her curse because part of the thing is that she can't tell anyone that she's cursed that's that's another bonus to that. And then eventually she she convinces Howl a very, you know, courageously spot, you know, just on the spot that, you know, Calcifer hired her to be a cleaning lady and they get into all this mischief and, um, the story just really, yeah, I feel like I keep going about the plot, but that's, that's kind of like the first, I think maybe hundred pages and I'm not really sure. Um, but that's like the first, maybe first third of the story is her coming into that. And they get into some wacky stuff and some crazy poems. And, um, you know, there's a story about stars. And uh, the castle is really interesting because you're able to go into four different places. There's a magic portal. And there's one of them that you can't enter. And two of them um, lead to different places where Hal is known by different names. And... Because he's constantly hiding. He's keeping his distance from a lot of people. He's very fearful. Um, yeah. I could probably keep going.
1: Well, that's okay. We'll probably come, more of it will come out as we go through. Yeah, I didn't know how deep you wanted me to go into it. No, that's fine. That's good. Okay. It's a, it's a good summary of the plot.
0: I'm totally weaning it here, guys. <laughs> 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 Even though I've listened to every episode. I'm weaning it hardcore.
1: Um, yeah. So let's go into why you love the book and why you chose to talk about it today and why you wanted me to read it.
0: Ugh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, Brian knows this. But when he first came out with the podcast, so like if it isn't obvious, Brian and I are a thing. And um, when Brian came up with the idea, I told him that he... The, he has to have me on the podcast that so like it's going to be damage to our relationship if he doesn't. So I forced myself to be a guest on this podcast because I wanted to be a part of it. Because so I really love the idea and, and, and whatnot. And um, and then we knew I was going to probably be one of the last guests that he interviewed. And so I had some time to think about my book. And I came up with six different books. And I, <laughs> I had a really hard time choosing and Brian actually helped me. He didn't really know the story that much. He had saw the movie with me. But he helped me Pick this book and I'm really glad that, that it, I think it would have came to this anyways, but he helped me choose it faster. Um, what's really magical for me about this, this text, this book specifically is it is the first book that I have ever finished and wanted to start reading, go back to page number one immediately and read it all over again. Um, when I was in school during finals week, I always liked to have a book nearby. I didn't want TV. I wanted a book nearby that I could escape to because I found that if you like study and review your notes, at least for me, reviewing reviewing notes over and over again, it just kind of gets obsessive. And then I found that I forgot more things because I was putting pressure on myself and it was like stressful. So I always liked having a novel nearby and I did that while I was at Cornish college of the arts getting my um degree in uh performance production and uh and it was just like you know those when I read those books it was like a savior during finals week and I I think I really would have had continued from page one again if I wasn't in finals week and it just wasn't within the schedule but yeah it's I've read it several times since then um and that was only a couple years ago (laughs) And I watched the movie I watched the movie a couple times a year so I just love it I just I love this story. I love it so much.
1: Is that when you first read it? was it at a couple years ago
0: yeah I was at Cornish because oh. I had I had saw the movie. I was trying to get into Ghibli and um, you know I'd slowly kind of got into it with with a friend who introduced me to a few movies and then um, I read the the synopsis for House Moving Castle um and i was like oh that sounds good so i watched it and i watched it a couple times and i you know i bought the movie and um and i realized at one point when i saw it in the credits i was like oh this is based off of a book i should i would love to read that book and then i read it and i'm so glad i did because it's 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 so similar to the book the the film but it's also the book is just completely completely different in the best ways i think it's one of the best film adaptations ever but um the book is just it holds a different bit of magic in as far as sophie's um the way she evolves and the way that she grows and even more depth within the characters and it's a little bit cheesier too which is really fun normally i'm not about the cheese i mean i do want to eat cheese but not like cheese in a text or a film and uh with here it's just like it just feels like a warm blanket yeah, yeah, you get cozy with. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think, and also, I mean, the elements that really draw me to it is not just because it's like so wonderful and it's so fun to read, but you know, as I you know, it's it's it has a lot of feminist qualities. And right before I realized that I was a feminist, I didn't think that I was. I thought I was like an equalist or whatnot. I didn't really understand what feminist was, or what feminism stood for. And I read this beforehand, and I feel like that kind of helped me come to terms with feminism um before then and uh yeah it's just it's so it's so stinking magical and also now I talk a lot about especially with my coaching I talk a lot about being authentic and being aligned and true to yourself because that is what will free you that is what's going to line you up with you know with your inspiration with your creativity with your purpose and that really is showcased so strongly here. Sophie does not believe in herself. She, you know, is fearful of what is going to come next because she's going to fail. She's doomed to fail. She's she's doomed to be this, this person. Um, And to see her really evolve out of that, it's such a gift, and I feel like it's a great reveal into what's possible for any person regardless of magic being real or not. And I think also, you know, I talk about magic too. And now that I'm talking about it out loud, I'm realizing that this book is part of the reason why magic is is so real to me. I've, I very much believe that if you want to have magic in your life, all you have to do is, is create it. You know, like magic can be totally different in its forms. It doesn't have to come from a witch. It doesn't have to come from a wizard. Though apparently witches are a thing, and I want to look into that, just kind of, you know, figure out what that world is. But, um, you know, I think that's kind of maybe self-proclaimed. But uh, yeah, I just think that it's it's very real, and it's also a metaphor. And it's just, yeah... It's like I'm not being very eloquent here, but it's. I just think it's. I think it's such a, it's such a gift to read, because of what openness, and being able to view the vulnerability and opportunity and possibilities within your own life being reflected through Sophie and her experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think made you so? open to the book like when you read it you loved it but like what about you
0: yeah so um while i was at cornish i was still going i was still having in in this headspace and um there were many things about my past that i was not able to forgive forgiven others forgiven myself and i did not think that i was living in self-hatred but i very much was and i was oppressed by comparison culture uh, Self oppressed and also just being a part of the culture, and I would just punish myself all the time. I talked very negatively. Um, I have so I have IBS, more specifically SIBO, and um, you know, and it's very, it's very much a struggle for me because of like my figure. You know, right now, now that I know that it's SIBO and I understand why it's occurring and that I have such excessive water weight, I mean thankfully I have you, <laughs> you know, to kind of like keep me grounded when I get kind of crazy. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, but back then, you know, I would, I would think like, oh, I put on three pounds in one day. How does that work? It must be water. But like, why is that happening to me? And I would just call myself fat. I would say I was ugly or I compare myself to other students that were around when I did not realize that I was suffering from like horrible brain fog and fatigue And um, I knew that I was on this journey of becoming this person who was accomplishing their dreams, but I didn't always feel connected to that. And seeing Sophie come from a place where she was expected for certain things or she was grown up kind of tailored or from a lack of certain attention was tailored to put other people's needs first aka this is i also went through um and i just i yeah i just i saw a lot of similarities between sophie's perspective of where she started and where she ended up to and i love it even more now because i feel like um you're my hal i feel like the story has come very become very real for me um and you know and i, I think it was. I think it was great that I interacted with this text, with this novel. Kind of, you know, if you know, a year or so before I got onto the the journey of um, really spiraling downwards, <laughs> and just totally getting crazy and not so. And that's a whole. That's a whole other thing. I, you know, I was on this artistic journey, and then um, I fell in love overnight with this uh, almost alcoholic and uh it i was like what is this that's crazy and i was very down on myself and i got very depressed and i wasn't able to finish that project that expedition that i was on and um my business venture that i was trying to do really couldn't happen because i didn't know that at the time but i just was so fatigued and also being depressed and i was trying to come into myself again and become aligned and then i started seeing a, a life coach myself and um i started healing and i've been doing a lot of healing since then and i think that sophie even though i was already, you know, well well, yeah, well into my 20s, i feel like she became a role model to me just like to what is possible because of the similarities. um and now interacting with the text again after i've gone through this total transition in my life it's just again, just incur I feel like it encourages me to follow the magic, to follow where my passion is, to follow what's being called to me. Um and letting the charming bits come in through very much more with much more ease in my life.
1: How um is the book how many times have you read the book? I don't know. When did you like is it something that you just kind of would pick up and read?
0: I think that I've read like every the intro. Now and then. Yeah, I think I've read the intro more than I have anything else. I think because of like time or something, whatever. So I'll, but that's pretty normal for me. I'll pick up a book and I won't finish it because I'd start reading another book and I kind of forget. So I probably read the intro, um, I don't know, maybe five, six times. I don't know, maybe not that much, but several times. And I've read the book in full three times. And then I watched the movie a lot, but we're not talking about the movie.
1: (laughs) No, we're not talking about the movie.
0: (laughs) No, but I mean, because it's like, it's so fast that I am able to watch the movie more frequently. Yeah. Um, But the book actually like diving into it and being in that space. um, Yeah, I think I, I just, I think I've only read it three times.
1: Is it something that you like went to when you were having specific moments or like during that transition time in your life?
0: Yeah, I definitely read it after it was a slower read. It wasn't as fast as the first and third times that I read them. And I read them very quickly and it kind of over, you know, took over my life, Um, (laughs) which is fun and also kind of a hindrance that books are able to able to provide. Um, But the second time, I don't even remember really reading it, honestly, because I was just in such a low space. But I do know that I read it. And um, yeah, and I, I, you know, it was probably just a space for me to escape into and, you know, um, just be a part of something different than what my reality was at that time. Yeah, but I read it. I read it after I came home. After the expedition that I was on. But I wasn't able to follow through because I was so depressed. (laughs) But it was good because I learned that I had IBS. I mean, I I had to go through that experience because I would not – I mean, people say that all the time, right? But I truly would not be the person that I am today. I would not have found you in my life. And um, I wouldn't be a life coach now. I wouldn't be pursuing the things that I'm pursuing now because it just – it completely opened me up. Um, going through going through my my failed because <laughs> she's a, she thinks she's a failure, a failed expedition um, and going through the experiences and the vulnerabilities and the openness that i that I had been through. and I've healed so much from my childhood and and the trauma and neglect that that I went through. Um, yeah, it's I just I'm so grateful for that experience, although I don't think of it fondly. <laughs> I'm very grateful and and again I can see a lot reflected not that not that Sophie's necessarily gone through I think she's gone through some neglect but hasn't gone through abuse or trauma um she just has a lot of disbelief and she doesn't like beliefs of being unworthy um that were very much reflected into my my own life
1: were you make did you make those connections when you first read it or the second time you read it were you actively connecting it to you in your own life or is that something more looking back now you are connecting the two
0: yeah the third time i read it so because i knew there was going to be a significant amount of time before we read before we did the podcast episode i did read it before you didn't want me to but i convinced you i was like please let me read this book and you're like fine because i complained about it for a couple weeks um (laughs) because i really wanted to read it again and um, the third time when I read this, I yeah, I I definitely got that message. I did not receive it the first two. I just knew that I was very much attracted to it and that there was something speaking to me, but I, I couldn't really hear it. I couldn't hear the message. And the third time, absolutely, it came through. And it's coming through even more now, as it does, when you sit down and talk about what makes it so special.
1: All right. So I have another question for you. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I'm curious... What is your favorite part of the book?
0: Mm. My favorite part of the book. Um, my least favorite part is when they go to the waist and like the battle scene. It's just not like the, those just aren't scenes that I typically enjoy the most.
1: Like right before the end, that part?
0: Yeah. I think, um, uh, I think whenever she... Oh, you know what? Actually, yes, I do know. Whenever Sophie is outside and she's yelling, um, with with the dog man, what was I don't remember his name, um, but they're yelling with oh Sol Solomon Sol Sullivan Solomon Suleman. Solomon 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 uh, anyway, so she's she's outside and she's yelling with Solomon because she's realizing she just realized that she's in love with Hal and she just can't handle it and Hal and Michael are o- overhearing and eavesdropping onto her and she's you know picking up flowers and doing whatever um anything to do with the flowers I really enjoy but that that specific scene when she's outside and she's yelling and she's trying to talk it through with Solomon when Solomon's like I just became a person again. I don't... Like, I'm no longer a dog. I'm trying to deal with all of these things. Letty wanted me to watch you. And he's just kind of in that space. And she's in her frantic coming into her own space. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. Okay. Not so much because... I mean, it is nice because I do love some romance. Not so much because she's talking about, like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with Hal. But because she... I feel like... We're finally seeing Sophie kind of unchained, if you will, and that's really fun. It's very, very fun. Yeah. But I'd say anything, when when the hat shop becomes a flower shop, anything with the flowers and her interacting with the flowers, I just always, always love but i say my second favorite scene is whenever they're talk, and it's like very early in the book it's when they're talking about the effects that she has on the hats and how she's able to bring the hats to life um or not the hat well yes the hats to life but also she's enchanting the hats so for instance there's this very plain woman and everyone's like no way is she, you know she ever gonna land like a man or whatever and um you know she sophie says something like you will marry you will marry rich or you will be seen as very pretty to the hat yeah to the hat and so then this girl or this woman she she buys and it's a very ugly hat she buys this ugly hat and then she meets this prince or something and they get married and no one can believe it so then everyone comes in wanting the same hat wanting the same results and that is just so fun it's watching an underdog really make it and also like the fact that sophie is able to talk life into things or able to like cast these spells that she doesn't realize and things happen because of it again i think is very um is is very much a reflection into real life in a way when we interact in our own worlds um and how we're able to talk life into own things whether that's like fantasy magic like this or, or real life magic as just experiencing life and its everyday miracles i have a lot of favorite scenes i could keep going Whew. I, okay so i also really like the scene
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> brian gave me high eyebrows so i felt like i had to keep going um there's also <laughs> I also really like this scene whenever they are in Wales and they're talking to the teacher who has the spell that Hal needs. Yeah. And instead, he's like trading it for this poem. And I think also because you're reading the poem too. Well, we've already been reading the poem. But you're reading it again and it's followed further. And it's a mirror showing what happened to Hal when he was younger and how he tra- how he gave his heart to Calcifer to save Calcifer. Um, so that's really fun to interact with and to see. And it's very much m- more specifically shown in the movie, but it's I think it's more kind of distanced. You know, it's it's harder to kind of get to that heart to it when you're reading it into the book, which is really fun. It's more like a mystery. And um yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then when, um, when Michael and Sophie take the seven league boots and Sophie is, you know, she keeps stepping forward cause she's so old. <laughs> she goes back and forth like 10 miles and then forward five miles and she keeps wobbling back and forth. That's also really fun. The book in general is just a very, there's a lot of really fun scenes, but again, I will stand true to my favorite scene is when Sophie is outside and, she's kind of screaming about Hal, being in love with Hal. Okay. Yeah.
1: Good choice. So before we move on, this is kind of your segment of the show. Mm. You can say whatever you want. Is there anything else you want to add about why you love the book, what you love about it?
0: Yeah, I think that I'll say that It is fantasy, it's magic, it's romance, it's, uh, in a very real yet kind of distant way, uh, very feminist. And it's explorative, it's fun, it's charming, you're gonna have a blast. Again, I, as soon as I finished this book, I immediately wanted to go back to page one, and do it all over again.
1: Oh, well, let's talk about this. So there's sequels. Have yeah. you read the sequels? Yes, I have. Uh, multiple times or just?
0: No, I've I've read each one once. And so I, the thing is that you don't have to read them immediately afterwards. And so um, the second one I did is an audiobook, which is really fun. And um, so I had actually read the beginning of that. Like, I read, like, the first, like, hundred pages, and then I think I had to return it to the library, and then I was going on a road trip, and I saw that it was an audiobook, and I was like, bitch. So I jumped on that. <laughs> so I jumped on that, and then um, after I finished, I because I had the third book, but I just hadn't read it yet, and after I finished it this last time, um, How's Moving Castle, then I moved on to the third one, um, and... I think the second book is called "The Castle" and the, S- "The Castle in the Air."
1: I don't know. I didn't look them up.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. I think it's like "Castle in the Air," and then the third one. I don't remember, but it, it does. <clears throat> that doesn't matter so much because it's more so in the world, and <clears throat> Sophie and Hal end up having cameos. Um, it's more of a cameo in the second book, and they're a little bit more in it in the third book. Um, which is a really nice treat. And I know that, and also it's good too. I think it was a really great way for Jones to approach the story that way because she died before she was able to continue on with more books. She had plots for several more books within this world, which I haven't read the other series, but I've I've seen that like she has six with another one. So it's just more so like relevant pieces. And the second one's really fun. It's kind of like this world mixed with Aladdin. Um, and yeah, and so it's, it's fun because it's just kind of a playoff and it's kind of like as if we're here and they're in like their version of India or whatever in this world. (laughs) It's pretty cool. It's really cool. It's very fun. Yeah, and the third, and the third one's great too. The third one is just fabulous. And again, it's, it's full of. A different type of magic, and I highly recommend them both. But they're not, they're not. In, they are after Hal's Moving Castle, and they do show Hal and Sophie in a linear time frame, as far as like two and then three. But you don't, you don't have to read them to really get more of the story. I did read them, thinking that I was, and it was just more of the world in general. Yeah.
1: How did that? How did those books affect your? appreciation for this book do you feel like or do you feel like they're kind of just separate things
0: yeah i mean they definitely could stand alone um but and they do feel separate in a way but i feel that it definitely made me love house moving castle more and i was really happy to read those stories because I felt like it was an example of being able to write a sequel or interact with a sequel that wasn't specifically, okay, well, now we ended the last time on chapter 20. And now we're going to go to chapter 21. but We're going to call it chapter one. You know what I mean? Like it not it doesn't have to be so specific to that story. Um, and it can just be about the world, and I think creating the world is can be a lot more fun. I mean, you could attach the characters, which obviously she was, because she incorporated them into the stories. But since it wasn't about them, it was more so about the world. She was able to, I feel, maximize that experience of being in this fantasy, being in this realm, being in this place of possibilities, and then pushing that forward with new opportunities with with newer. And different characters, just a really fun way to explore.
1: I'm gonna do a little bit of a recap of some of the history, yeah, of the book. Although I really couldn't find that much, and then we'll talk about. I'll talk about some reviews of the book. Okay. So, interest. So, one interesting thing is the book was published in 1986. Yeah, originally. The very first time, and no one really seemed to notice.
0: It's true, true. But okay.
1: Um, and with help from Miyazaki, it rose to popularity. Although, I-, I don't really know like how it got popular over those twenty years until the movie was made. But eventually, in two thousand six, it won an award called the Phoenix Award which is given to books that have become popular. It, it's given each year they give the award to a book that was published 20 years ago mm. that is now popular 20 years later. So it, that's the only award that's won.
0: Well, I do know that um, Diana Wynne-Jones, she very much had a specific niche following, which I've, I found that, a lot of my favorite authors that are for young adults um i love young adult uh, like books i just i love them but anyways um i i think yeah she definitely had a very specific niche audience and that's why it wasn't like this bestseller or whatever else yeah so that totally makes sense to me that that occurred
1: but somehow Miyazaki found it, and I couldn't figure out how I, I was lo- looking it up. But there.
0: yeah, I think in the if you just watch the special features of the film, yeah. did your real research, <laughs> actually, that's kind of excessive. But um, yeah, no, Miyazaki, I don't know if it's him or one of the producers, but they were talking about the creative process and why Miyazaki wanted to do the film. And, again, like, Miyazaki is very – I mean, you can see it in his work. He's very much attracted to um, to the female story, to, you know, a story of a young woman. I think someone introduced it to him. Someone put it on his desk. Someone said, yeah. hey, you should read this. And he was very, like, in it. I, that may not be 100% true, but from what – well, I mean, like, don't quote me, even though I'm saying it on a podcast. But from what I understand, someone gave it to him. <laughs> okay thanks for laughing at me
1: yeah i mean that sure i mean any anything could be possible yeah i have no evidence that says any any which way um but so there is a 1986 kirkus review of the book okay which is short as kirkus reviews are wont to be um and it says well a lot of it is plot summary and then this is the review part it says As in her memorable archer's goon, Jones has a plethora of characters who are seldom what they seem and an intricate plot which may dazzle with its complexity or delight by the hilarious, common-sense consequences of its preposterous premises. Sophie, whoever wrote this was having a good time with the alliteration. (laughs) Sophie is a dauntless heroine. When she regains her youth and wins howl, spoiler alert, the odds are... (laughs) This is only the beginning of a tempestuous romance. Great fun.
0: Yeah, I think the in the ending of that synopsis, I'm like, mm, because it, it's it's in, it's until the very like the very end where. They really connect on that romantic level or they're aware of it and i feel like it's not about like you do watch them fall in love without them knowing that they're falling in love and so you're kind of even surprised that they're that they've fallen in love but i feel like it's more so about um again i really liked how the writer said that it's about people who aren't what they seem um, and I think that's more true that's that's more about it. And and I don't think that the love could have really occurred between Sophie and Hal until Sophie really became her own and went through that battle and that journey of of being authentically her and, and no longer being afraid of what may come in the future. Hashtag our relationship and my journey to find you. <laughs> That's right going to weave that back in a little bit. Yeah. Mhm. All right. Gonna make it cheesy.
1: <laughs> um and then the first mention of the book in the New York Times was in 2004 when the movie was coming out. Um and then later on the LA Times said, "It's easy to see what attracted Miyazaki to Howell's Moving Castle, the 1986 novel by prolific Brit scribe Diane uh Diana Wynne Jones." Mm-hmm. With its warring wizards, quirky and cute characters, and magical transformations, the book practically howls to be animated. Yes! Um, This is so good. And then a blogger at the New York Public Library blog wrote, The world Jones creates is fully realized without ever getting boring or limiting the reader's imagination. The tone of her narrative is also spot on. Readers of Jane Austen's novels or the Sorcery and Cecilia series will notice a similar narrative voice. Although this novel is largely timeless, the prose has a charmingly Victorian tone, taking its time to arrive at the action. The better to familiarize readers with the characters involved and show the readers just how fantastic they, and the story, really are. I also adore this story because it is romantic, thrilling, and completely absorbing.
0: Props. Props and some serious kudos
1: yeah. Way um, better than
0: what I did. That was so good. I agree.
1: And then eventually in 2011, Diana Wynne Jones died.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, so then in her obituary, uh, they said though she never became the household name in the United States that J.K. Rowling did with the Harry Potter franchise, Miss Jones' work was especially relished by connoisseurs of the young adult fantasy and science fiction genres. She wrote more than 35 books, including the Cresto Manchi series, which focuses on a powerful enchanter who presides over a world in which magic is, in her words, as common as music. Another popular book, Howl's Moving Castle, 1986, <laughs> about a young girl transformed into an old crone by a spiteful witch was adapted into a 2004 animated film. Yeah. So not a lot to say about Howl's Moving Castle other than was adapted into a 2004 animated film it's interesting it's interesting that it like it's weird Uh, kind of that it went unnoticed for like 20 years and then
0: yeah well i mean them them mentioning it that it became a that it became a a film i mean makes sense to me because especially like 2011 or even now i mean that the fact that your book became a movie or became a TV show or became filmed or adapted in any sense is like, whoa, you fucking made it. You got money off of that, bitch. Yeah. I feel like that is like the level of you are a successful writer, which is unfortunate because the text is the text and the film is a film. Yeah. But it is it is really I mean, as someone who loves both the film and the books, even though they are different. um, Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I personally feel grateful to have the film.
1: Yeah. I was just kind of su- surprised that I couldn't really find much written about the book before the movie came out. It's like...
0: Well, that's as it goes, right? That's, that's so as it goes.
1: I guess. But a lot of books get reviewed at the time they're released, you know? Anyway. Um, also, in this obituary, they said, Jones's fiction is relevant, subversive, witty, and highly enjoyable while also having a distinctly dark streak and a constant awareness of how unreliable the real world can seem. Mm. Disguises and deceptions abound. Though avoiding criminally dysfunctional families or unwanted pregnancies, her her cleverly plotted and amusing adventures deal frankly with emotional clumsiness, parental neglect, jealousy between siblings, and a general sense of being an outcast. Rather than a deliberately cruel stepmother a Jones protagonist might have a real mother far more wrapped up in her own career than in the discoveries and feelings of her child. The child protagonist would realize this, but get on with the adventure anyway. It's not entirely about Howl's Moving Castle, but just No, but I
0: think it's like her writing style in general, and what she was attracted to in her exploring her stories.
1: And some of that is in there, like you've got siblings and parents and familial expectations and
0: yeah I mean that's very true I mean um their mom she definitely kind of forgets about them and I don't think that she means to but she's I mean my mom did the same thing she's just trying to live her own life right and it kind of gets lost here and there and um you know so Fanny is is just in that space where she's doing the best that she can. And she's trying to live life the way that she can. And she's, you know, running this business with her husband, and then her husband dies. And then she has to figure out what she's going to do with her three daughters. And yeah, it's just it's it's a difficult space. And especially when you don't have money, and you're a woman, and even though you can be on your own, there's still that idea that you cannot, right? Um, That's very much still woven in. Um, Yeah, it makes sense to me that that it's there, and that that's something that she was drawn towards, too. Or that or that the writer said that she's leans towards these directions in her stories. You know, even though the, the sisters don't bicker in this, and they're all very loving, and they want to support each other. Um, at least they don't bicker actively in the book. Um, yeah, I think I think that makes sense that she wants to explore. Of course, I haven't read the other book, so I can't really attest to yeah. that totally.
1: And one of the things that happens in Howl's Moving Castle is their mother sends them off to be apprentices mm-hmm. and then keeps Sophie in the hat shop. And then they sort of all end up in different outcomes where Letty and Martha switch places. Cause Letty is like, I want to bake and Martha's like, I want to be a witch. And
0: well, it's more that Martha wants to be, um, Martha, she 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 wants a big family. She wants to have ten children. That is her ambition. She wants to marry for love, and she wants to have ten children. And Letty is like, that is not my mo. I'm not interested in getting married. I want to be successful. I want to, you know, follow magic. That sounds so interesting to me. Because Letty
1: is like the pretty one who gets sent to work in the bakery, and she gets to to try to attract a suitor.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And so it's sort of like, it's not that the mother is necessarily a bad mother or neglectful, but she's kind of playing the children into the preset roles and not necessarily figuring out what they would want.
0: Exactly, yeah. Common mistake that a lot of parents make, unfortunately. But that's what happens when we live in comparison culture and that when we are all all of us are oppressed at the way that we are. Yeah. Really. It's a really great reflective piece.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's some of the like professional critics. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Does that mean that we're going to move into the uh, unprofessional critics? Yeah. We're going to get into. The- <laughs> okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. Let's do this. Let's do this. And honestly, let me say this. Um, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right,
0: all right, all right.
1: First up, we've got Spencer. Okay, Spencer gave the book five stars. He gave
0: the book five stars. That's so mm-hmm. weird. I would not have expected that.
1: And Spencer, <laughs> for the people listening at home, she's being sarcastic. Because
0: I listen to the podcast. she's listened to every episode so far. <laughs>
1: So Spencer I'm
0: funny. I did it with peace
1: signs. So Spencer said. Sending peace Spencer your way. Spencer said. What did Spencer Spencer, say? Said.
0: It's not like what Spencer said.
1: Spencer said.
0: Yeah, what are you saying?
1: This was awesome. It's delightful, thoughtful, and funny. The language is fantastic with tons of witty turns of phrase. I liked Sophie's down to business attitude and perspective a lot. There are fun crossovers with our world and endlessly refreshing magical mischief. And all the moving pieces come together in one sweeping ending, which just wow.
0: Good one, Spencer. Kudos to you. Yeah? Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Good one, Spencer.
0: Yeah, good one, Spencer. Good, good one, pal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, I actually have two five stars here. Yay! I have another fit five star from Smellin', which I'll read.
0: Okay, Smellin'. It
1: says, this is a wonderfully strange fairy tale. It takes fabulous larger-than-life characters and throws them into a magical mix. I don't know what else to say. Diane Wynne-Jones is one of my very favorite authors, and I had a huge crush on The Wizard howl when I was about 12. I've read this book at least four times. If you like it, and you will, read her other books. Ooh. Ooh. Did you have a crush on Howl when you first read it?
0: Um, I didn't have a crush on him. I was actually pretty annoyed with him, but as he was able to reveal himself more, I definitely had I had more of a crush on Miyazaki's Howl by far. But Jones's Howl, um, yeah, I would just I wasn't I wasn't that into. I did think he was kind of alluring, but I I wasn't I wasn't about having a crush on someone who was so selfish
1: Hmm. okay good point fair (laughs) enough
0: thank you for pointing out that i have a good point
1: yeah and next up is tiffany
0: tiffany yes bitch let me know how you feel about those four stars
1: tiffany says wow i love the story so much (laughs) i think it was much too short Still, even though the ending felt fast, it was still very well written, and I was not disappointed at all with this book. I am only grumpily writing it at a four-star level because of how short it was and the fact that it could have been longer, and I would have been happier. Yeah, pathetic reason, but there you have it. This is a great fantasy book with many colorful characters.
0: Tiffany, that, I appreciate your love, but what a cop-out. Like, what a cop-out. Also, it should have been longer. Are you kidding me? It's, I feel like it's, it's not like a very long book, but, you know, it's, it's a significant length, and it's great. It's exactly where it should be. Again, I do agree with all, I think all three of them mentioned it, that it ends very kind of abruptly, and it's a sweeping ending, um, which I kind of have thoughts on, uh, but I don't know. I feel like Tiffany is just doing a, just, I think she's just doing a cop out. hmm Oh, wow. I'm getting really sassy and protective <laughs> over this book.
1: Are you feeling attacked?
0: Um, a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, let's see how.
0: Yeah, I don't know <laughs> how I'm going to handle three stars.
1: Yeah. So three stars is Claire, who says. Part of it is that I ended up reading this one in little chunks, but the ending feels really rushed and like I missed something that makes the timing of the ending make sense. Otherwise, very good. I like the idea. Now if I can find a copy of the sequel somewhere, dot, 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 dot.
0: Yeah, so while you're reading that, I was looking at my nails and checking out how they're doing right now. Um, a little bit disinterested in this review.
1: You don't like Claire's review?
0: It's all right. I just, yeah.
1: The ending the ending feels rash?
0: But the, 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 rushed. It's a sweeping ending. Yeah, the ending's rushed.
1: She feels like she missed something that makes the timing make sense?
0: No. She just didn't read it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's possible because you've read it three times that you don't remember what it's like to read it the first time.
0: No, I do. That's why I keep reading it.
1: Okay. I can't, I mean... I was just suggesting. If you say no, then okay.
0: Wow, bitch. Disbelief, disbelief, disbelief. Highly toned in your voice. Don't wink at me. Are you ready for... That doesn't make it better.
1: Are you ready for Pandora? Two stars.
0: Bitch, bring it on. Bring it on. Sumo wrestler up in here.
1: The ending of the book is very good. What? The (laughs) characters...
0: Okay, bitch.
1: The characters are also a lot of fun. The problem, though, is the plot is too detailed, and it is difficult to keep everything straight. Wow. It is also a very complicated book with too many plots points. Plots points. (laughs) Some of the concepts she uses are difficult to picture. I thought going into modern Wales was a mistake, and it would have been better to keep the book in a fantasy world. I like the book and have read it a few times, in hopes it would be more understandable, but... It isn't. (laughs) I love Howl and Sophie. Just wish they had an easier story to read.
0: Wow. Okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. Well, let me tell you something. Let's do a lesson right fucking now. Okay, what she's doing is, is she's showing you how magic is really true in your life and how you just have to incorporate it and find ways to interact with it, right? Like you have to be conscious of that. And that's why she moves into modern whales. You can step into modern whales interacting with magic on your own terms And it makes it more colorful. It makes it more alive. It brings in a portal. It explains how and the way that he is. Bitch, don't come at me. Bitch, don't come at me. You don't know what you're talking about when you say it was a failure. They went to Wales. Very strong point in my point of view. Hello? How do we get the poem? How do we get the poem? We got his homework. He got his we got his nephew's homework. We wouldn't have gotten that through the portal of go- of having to go back to Wales if we didn't go fucking back to Wales, bitch.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Also, we learn about the wicked witch's her own fire demon. Bitch! Don't come at me. Yes, I have more to say, but I'm going to stop so you can read number one.
1: Okay. <laughs> Catherine.
0: Bitch. Okay, go ahead.
1: One star.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Sporadic storytelling. This book was all over the place. Okay. There w- was too many scenes in the story, making it difficult to follow. And it's a kid's book. <laughs> However, maybe after seeing the Academy Award-nominated animated movie i like the storyline a bit better. But in most cases, the book is better than the movie, so I'm not holding my breath.
0: Okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. Okay. Let me tell you what. There are the details. And also with number two, too. That's what I'm going to say, too. The details are wonderful. There are not too many plot points. If you can't follow this fucking story, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, take a class. I Like, clearly, you didn't do well in literature, and I don't know what to tell you. You can't read a kid's book? Not my problem. Don't come (laughs) here. (laughs) <laughs> don't come hating because you can't handle something that's complex okay um do you want can you can you handle documentaries i just like i don't even know what you can take in i am surprised that you would come at this book this way and also don't be looking for the movie to understand how this story works because again they're totally different and again it's one of the best i know i hit the thing it's one of the best film adaptations ever I think it could be one of the best. I think the best, though, is Alice in Wonderland. Disney's Alice in Wonderland from, the, I think, of the 50s. Um, In my opinion, that is the best. But this is very high level, and it's incredible. They feel like two different stories, yet they share very similar messages. It's amazing. So don't be looking to Miyazaki to be figuring out how Jones's book works. You're a fool. I don't want to talk to you.
1: fair enough and you don't have to Catherine Pandora they're not here
0: bye bitch bye i just want to say that i call i call lots of people bitch i call people that i love bitch and i call people that i'm like cha- that are like challengers bitch bitch is a, a term that i use a lot in different ways so just want to explain that in case someone was like wow she's saying bitch a lot
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I do have a podcast called Spiritual Bitches of Seattle, so, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, so recapping. Yeah. Um we'll do a little personality test now.
0: Oh, um, I just want to say real quick before we go into that, um in case you're wondering, I would definitely give this book five motherfucking stars yeah we know i just want to make sure it's clear
1: you're on here talking about it
0: yeah i know but i just want to make sure it's clear that i would give five stars okay
1: now that's been cleared up
0: (laughs) for everyone
1: who wasn't sure
0: don't come at me
1: uh yeah so you know we've Heard the book described as great fun. We've heard it described as intricate. Okay. Hilarious. Hmm. Um Quirky and cute. Yeah. Um, what else? We've heard it described as charming.
0: Delightful.
1: Thrilling, romantic. Mm-hmm. Popular.
0: Popular.
1: Uh, thoughtful and funny. Witty. And wonderfully strange.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, do you feel like any of those descriptions apply to you yourself
0: as um, a person? Interesting. 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 Take away popular. All the rest of them. Yeah. they <laughs> Like i'm definitely not popular popular um probably because when i hear the word popular i go popular um that's from wicked in case i don't know you live in a hole um (laughs) Um, no yeah i mean i definitely am quirky and cute (laughs) and uh oh well i don't think i'm hilarious so maybe cross that off one too but i'm pretty funny yeah because i'm a silly bitch and i just do stuff um (laughs) um i think i'm charming and delightful um at least i can be i don't know i might be really annoying on this podcast if i am sucks to suck um (laughs) but for the most part i think i'm pretty charming and delightful and wonderful and um yeah, I'm just super in love with myself. So, are you gonna are you gonna like ask me specifically which ones you think are like me? Are you just gonna let me go off still on a tangent with that long ass list?
1: I just gave you a bunch, and you're supposed to see which ones you feel like.
0: Yeah, cross off hilarious. If you just said funny,
1: well, like some people, I don't know. Like, so Caitlyn kind of her relationship with Arcadia was like. She felt like it was sort of like a boyfriend. Yeah. And some people feel like the book is them, right?
0: Clearly, I've already said that I feel like it is me.
1: So this is sort of like teasing out. Do you feel like the book is like a romantic partner or like a best friend or like a mirror where you're looking at yourself?
0: I think it's a mirror for sure. It's a mirror. Um also I don't think that the book is hilarious. I think that it's witty and I think it's amusing and, and delightful, but I don't think that it is hilarious. I think that I think the book is just as funny as I am. So. Yeah. Um no, I I mean I think and also from what I had described before, um it absolutely is a mirror. And even like even with the whales thing, I mean one of the right one of the critics brought up the them entering into real world whales. And I feel like that's me interacting with Missouri. I'm originally from Springfield, Missouri. That's where I grew up. And now I'm here in the space in Washington. And I'm going to probably stay here. I mean, I think that's what we're planning on doing. Um, let's not think that it's a no. I'm just being casual about it. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, so for me, it's it's. And I feel like that's interacting in that space. And I do sometimes... I, mean, I was just there and I kind of felt like a different person um because of all the healing and all the work that I've done and that I just live in this different space that it was so yeah, so different. I can't think of another word that was so maybe even polar from the life I live now. And that I have grown in a way similar to how Sophie has grown. Um I mean yeah, I've gone through a lot of my quantum leaps of healing while I've been with you. But I was already on the path of healing before I met you. And I wouldn't say that is as similar with Sophie. But yeah, there's a lot of similarities. And I see I see a big mirror. And I also see that passion for magic that I believe is very true in life. You just have to ask for it and it'll show up.
1: So my last question for you. Okay. Do you know what it is? I think so. My last question is, is there anything that you would change about this book?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, I do agree that the ending is sweeping. Um,
1: what I, do you think sweeping means?
0: So sweeping is, it's it's the ending is very much accelerated. It ties up a lot of kind of loose ends or plot points in a very quick amount of time. Um, so what happens is at the ending, you know, they all come and visit Sophie at the very end, um, all of her family and these characters that she's met, they all just kind of come to Hal's castle, to Hal's home and it starts as a distraction, but it doesn't. And when, you know, the ending occurs and the curse is broken and other things as well, when things are kind of returned to maybe natural order, um, then you find people who are lost you find people who were supposed to be dead um and they're they're transformed into back into their original space um and so and then then the sisters become connected to both of them and there's a lot of kind of i want to say haberdashery but that's not the right word (laughs) but there's just a lot of like there's just a Mm. lot of particles that come together in one moment and at the same time it's all back noise it's all background noise for when Hal and Sophie realize that there is love between them and being very conscious and aware of their actions in that moment um which is really sweet it's just it feels like a very loud family coming together it's like I don't know Thanksgiving falling in love at Thanksgiving or something it's just very loud and obnoxious and fun um I think you know if I were to change anything I would change that there was maybe a bit more details in that but I I don't I don't know though I I feel comfortable with it 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 always feels like something that I kind of want more of but yeah I don't yeah I don't know if I'd actually would change it because again because it kind of feels like you could get more from it. That is part of the reason why I wanted to start back at page number one. Right? I feel like the ending encourages you to keep going and to keep moving in a totally different way than a cliffhanger would. Because you're just so in love with the story. And you want to keep it moving. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's kind of complex and you're wanting more but it's almost i don't know if she did it strategically that way but it feels almost strategic at least for me interacting with the text the way that i did and i've been really wanting to know how you feel about the po- how you feel about the book
1: i enjoyed it it's a little bit tricky because we had seen the movie before mm-hmm. reading it yeah so it's hard to like have a pure opinion of the book i think Um, in some ways, I think I like the movie more. Mm. Um, I felt like some of what the reviewers felt who criticized the ending. Yeah. Where it felt like it was a bit quick. Yeah. Or a lot of things being wrapped up at the same time. Um, and there's a lot of like small reveals as well like you were talking about how her family all shows up mm-hmm. and the way it happens in the book is just like they all just show up and it feels really random and kind of like oh well i were just sort of randomly showed up at the same time mm-hmm. and then you find out a little bit later that howell arranged it mm-hmm. Because he was trying to distract her, or whatever, from something. I don't remember.
0: Uh, he's trying to distract her from in- interacting or getting herself in harm's way while he's tying up the final knots with the Wicked Witch of the West. Waste. Waste. I'm sorry. Witch right. of the wastes. Waste. <laughs> I went down and uh, uh, was it of Oz land for a minute?
1: Yeah. Um, and so. There, there's some things like that where it feels like it's a little bit confusing or unclear where it's like, wait, what's happening? Like, why did they all show up? And then you find out later there is a reason for it. But kind of when it's starting to happen, it feels like there's an abrupt change or something is going on that you don't know. Or, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily feel like there's something that's feels like maybe you missed a hint or something. Mm. And I don't know if there was a hint or not. And if there was, it was too subtle.
0: I, I think, you know, part of the reason why it feels so random or it just kind of like, whoa, what happened? I mean, that's how Sophie's feeling too, right? Sophie is, we're, we're seeing this um, mostly through Sophie's eyes, right? It's not specifically in first person, but, um, you know, we're seeing this through Sophie's experience and that's how she's feeling too. She's like, "Whoa, what's going on?" But these are my family members, so I'm gonna like jump right in. So that does it does feel a little intentional to me. But I, yeah, I I have not about it being so random, but just about kind of it all coming together at one sp- specific point towards the very end. Um, I I had a similar experience too, and I still do when I interact with the text.
1: But overall, like, I think it's a really Good adventure story. And um, I know somewhere in the reviews there was something about how it like takes its time to set up, which I think was good. I like that you get like establishing the characters and establishing the relationships. And then there's also a lot of like clues I think in there subtle hints because a lot of it is like at the end you get all these reveals that explain a lot of sort of weird things that happen along the way that maybe at the time don't seem to mean anything so yeah that was fun and it reminded me of, um, like Terry Pratchett and Discworld in a way where it's like, it felt like she established a world that had a lot going on and a lot of kind of, there's a lot of things on the sides and in the background and, you know, things you get glimpses of where it it does feel like there's a solid fantasy world out there. So that's what they call world building, I guess. So I would say it has good world building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to read. It's a very smooth, fun page turner. Um, I think maybe because of having read like a big chunk and then taking a break and then read some more um it feels like it's a good book to read like all in one sitting
0: yeah it really is
1: um so maybe i should have gone for that to try to do it and it also feels like i don't know because i knew the story from the movie and then also we went and saw a live production of it as a musical
0: which i did not I was not into but Brian was. And I was like, I don't understand.
1: So I had like some preconceived notions of what was going on, which helped. But I think like getting through the book and then going through it again, um, it definitely feels like a book that would get better with rereads. Because you'd start to pick up on more things and you'd notice the hints and the clues and the and the stuff. So that's, yeah. I didn't necessarily love it or think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that could be that it's more young adult. But I don't know. I don't think that's, it's not really a real criticism of it. More criticism of me, maybe. Um, but yeah.
0: So you'd give it a three star?
1: Um, or four, three and a half. I don't know. How does that make you feel? Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. I I mean, for, I think, you know, I've had conversations with other people about this in general. And I think it's way more common that it's harder to interact with the book after you've seen the film adaptation. Um, because you get the images of the characters in your brain and so on and so forth. And just kind of, you know, the story and then it feels different in the book, which it should. And so, um, when I, so when I was younger, before I wanted to be a costume designer, which I am no longer pursuing actively, (laughs) um, clearly, but, um, yeah, when, before then, when I was in high school, I, wanted to be a screenwriter because all of these movies were being adapted and I didn't understand why they were so poorly written. And it's still kind of an issue that I have with now, but I, you know, let it go in a lot of ways because I decided that's not something I want to do. But I thought very much for quite a while that I was going to go be a screenwriter and I was going to revolutionize the formula for adapting, adapting books into films so for me, you know, I don't know if it's because I had that passion or if the way that I've interacted with, you know, theater and writing and, you know, being a creative person. And not that I've done a lot of painting, but even painting and illustrations, whatever, um, on that personal scale, I it's very easy for me to, like, see a movie and then go back to the book or see the book and know that it's going to be different than the film or read the book and then see how it's going to be different with the film. So either way, I don't carry that with me. I look at the, Use me at two separate things. Um, and I think that is definitely a a gift in, in house moving castle, because even though the spirit is very much alive in both adaptations, um, it is again, even though it's the same story, it's told in very different ways as far as the details and how you are in it. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I, I kind of get it. And I also feel that maybe seeing the adaptation, although it was very fun and it was a wonderful birthday present, thank you. Um, I, I still, again, wasn't that into it because the production, so I'll just go and go into it a little bit. The production was with Book It Theater here in Seattle and it was a musical and i did not know that when we walked in and i was like what a musical that feels weird and it was <laughs>
1: <laughs> i really liked it you
0: really you did really like I it i thought it
1: was really fun
0: i i didn't like that it, the beginning of the story was really focused on fear and showing that fear was present for everyone and although that fear is an element that everyone experiences because they're all, you know, quote unquote human um it's not the over that's not the overwhelming sensation that you get when you read the text or see the movie or whatever so i i that threw me off immediately and i felt like the way that the sisters were involved i don't know i feel like For an adaptation, you could very easily cut out the sisters as well. In the film, she doesn't have sisters. Um, Oh, no, that's not true. She has one sister. And you, you can cut it down to one sister or have no sisters, you know, like, I mean, or whatever. But you could have cut out a lot of characters and they didn't. And I just wasn't, I don't know. I didn't feel like it had the spirit of the story. So I wasn't super into it. But I think, you know, walking in with those two different ideas of what the story is and then reading what the actual story is, the actual text, I could see how you would kind of be like, oh, well, it kind of was helpful and I did like it. It was fun, but I'm not super in love with it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's also, I don't know, that's kind of one of the drawbacks of reading for the podcast as well. Because when I feel like I'm reading to a deadline or something, I'm kind of just like reading to read and not getting as into it as if I was just reading independently. So, like with all the books that I've read, there's a little bit of a struggle between like really reading it as just a reader and reading it as someone who's going to do a podcast about it. In a week or two, or whatever. So, I feel like that's a personal problem as well for me.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, the
1: main reason I'm reading it is so that you can talk to me about it and I know what you're talking about mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I can ask you questions and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I, even if it's a deadline or not, I have a really, really hard time not putting my whole heart into it.
1: Well, I have a I don't know, one of my one of my personal problems that I have all the time with books is I want to be reading fast. So I will tell You
0: read a very fast. I read a very slow.
1: Yeah, but like I I tend to kind of get caught up in like paying attention to how fast I'm going and like <laughs> counting pages and watching the clock and measuring my speed
0: okay so i've asked you about this i've asked you about it. i said hey you're reading that really fast and you're like yeah and i said are you able to take all that in and you're like of course i can
1: oh well, yeah i'm taking it in but like sometimes at different volumes
0: see if i don't take if i don't put my whole heart into it i like i have to reread it because i missed something
1: yeah and maybe i'll reread it why not why not you have any questions for me About the book Um, and me and the book. Uh,
0: yeah. If you were any character, who do you think you would be?
1: Who do I think I would be?
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I think of you as my Hal, right? mm -hmm. But uh, I have. But if I were to like to actually pinpoint you as a specific character, I have one in mind. But I, I think you should tell me what you think you would be.
1: Um. Oh, it's a tough question. I mean, there are parts of Howl that I think are me where um,
0: He's so vain though. You're not vain at all.
1: But like he doesn't want to do The most
0: vain thing about you is that you refuse to get accurately wasted pants. He
1: doesn't do stuff and he wants to like slither out of things and he's a he's a slitherer Outter. outer and he gets out of doing stuff. And he's lazy and he'll go hide in his bedroom for a while and um, he doesn't want to because like the the king wants him to look for his brother or whatever and he doesn't want to do that. So, you know, he tries every which way to get out of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm good at getting out of things, I guess. I can be lazy, so
0: yeah, you can.
1: Those parts, I'm like, well, that's me a little bit. Um, I might be a little bit of a Michael. Mm. Um, he's just kind of like a, I don't know, just a nice, normal guy who is maybe a little bit silly. And foolish sometimes.
0: Yeah, I definitely think you're Michael. If I were to call you a character, I would think Michael. But after you kind of described how, um, yeah, I can see that too. But I think, you know, when I think of you being a character, I don't think it necessarily. Although sometimes I am surprised at just how lazy you get. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, bitch. Um, I do think of you more as Michael, I think, because. I mean, Hal is supportive in his own way, but I find you to be very supportive and to be very there with me in a lot of spaces and just with your friends and whoever you interact with, the The level of your presence. Um, I, f- I think that Michael is that way too, and Michael's very romantic. And maybe I'm revealing too much about you, but I think you are also very romantic in your own way. Um, you know, yeah, so I, I would definitely think that you'd be Michael. Okay, so now another question. Since I asked you what character you think you were, what character do you think I am most like?
1: What character do I think you're most like?
0: Yeah. I have a similar journey to Sophie, right? And I think that – I'm always reading her name. What's the mom's name? Fanny. Fanny, thank you. I think that my mom and Fanny are very similar – be similar um but as far as me do you think i'm a lot like sophie or do you think i'm a lot like another character
1: (laughs) um i think you've got some sophie-esque elements sometimes you look like an old woman (laughs) um (laughs) (sighs) and you can be very strong and opinionated on something and like get your way I don't know. I think you're a little bit of a Sophie, maybe a little bit of a Martha.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to have a million children. So that makes sense. I want to find someone to settle down with and and love and be in a good relationship with, which I have found. So I can see that. Okay.
1: Any, any other questions for me?
0: Uh, okay, so you gave it a three, three to three to four stars. Yeah. Would you be interested in reading the other two books?
1: The sequels?
0: Yeah, or are you like, nah, I'm good.
1: Mm, I don't feel super strongly that I want to read the sequels. Okay. Especially knowing that it's not focused on this. It's not a, focusing on a continuation of the storyline, which I would be more interested in. So yeah, I'm neutral, I guess. Okay. Probably won't read the sequels. I'd probably read reread this book before I read a sequel. I feel like that would be a better value.
0: What's your favorite?
1: My favorite scene. Yeah. Um You don't have one? I liked the I liked the battle scene. Okay, yeah. Between Howl and the Witch of the Waste.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, which one? When they're the first one or the second one?
1: The first one, when they're like chasing each other around and stuff, and then everyone is kind of following it on the ground and there's like a little crowd assembling and they're all watching and then the battle moves and they all go following it to see what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Um and it felt like there was just some cool things that happened in there like cool magical stuff
0: yeah like the way they turn into animals or like a big ball of water and i think there's mermaids at one point that suddenly come crawling up and away trying to get away from the battle scene that is really good that's a good scene yeah i liked
1: when she realized that she could talk life into things and then she used that to make the scarecrow go away
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that's really funny
1: it's kind of, yeah, I like the, those moments where she is like realizing the powers that she has and then using them and then she told the scarecrow to go like 10 times faster or whatever away from her and then later it turns out that that was helpful she made the scarecrow really fast i have a book recommendation for you
0: recommendation for me what is it
1: so i have sort of two
0: okay but typical brian
1: yeah i always bring too many um it's so hard to just pick one so my primary recommendation is the fifth season by nk jemisin what's that about It's about a woman in a sort of future-ish alternate world where some people have a magical power where they can control rocks and like use the power of the earth and move rocks and do things.
0: Is Is this a series?
1: Yeah, there's three books in the series. It's a trilogy.
0: Is it the one that you were reading when we first were together?
1: Probably, yeah. I think mm-hmm.
0: so. It had some funny names in it.
1: Has funny names in it. And so there's like this magic in there. And it's a little more serious and kind of dark than Howl's Moving Castle. Um, but it's like magic. And it's pretty feminist. And it's very good. It's like very well written and just like really good story and very absorbing. So that's my my recommendation.
0: Number one.
1: Re- number one. My second recommendation is a little more of a direct and obvious recommendation. Oh. But I stand by the fifth season. It's a great book. Is the know?
0: fifth season like like a like another weather season?
1: Yeah, sort of. So like it's in this world where in this future world where there've been these like big long seasons where it's like, I don't know. It's like in game of Thrones, there's like decades of winter or something or so. It's like these sort of catastrophic periods of time that are fifth seasons or whatever, or a fifth season is a special kind of catastrophic season. So it, there's, like, a big disaster happens, and then people go migrating about, and then magical stuff occurs, and there's mysteries and things that are revealed over time, Ooh. much like in this book, how they sort of, like, things that are revealed. I think it's a solid recommendation. Okay. I stand by it. And the other recommendation is a little more direct and obvious. Okay, Which is... Equal Rights by Terry Pratchett.
0: Oh, you've wanted me to read that.
1: And it's the first book in the Witches series of the Discworld series. So within the Discworld series, there are like different, multiple different storylines. And you can read each of them independently of the others. So there's like six books or whatever.
0: Oh, I didn't know you could read them. I've I've looked into the audiobooks before because you've had, I think you had mentioned it.
1: You just have to start with the right one and then you can read a series that's like you don't have to read one, two, three, four, five, six. You can read like three, six, eight, oh. twelve. And so the witches series starts with this book called Equal Rights, and it's about witches and stuff and magic and wizards, and it's fun. It's a little more YA, so it's a little more of a direct comparison to Howl's Moving Castle.
0: I like YA. I feel like yeah, they, they no, don't try as hard. There's nothing there's wrong why with I like it. There's
1: nothing wrong with YA. It's just. If you want something that's like Howl's Moving Castle and that it's kind of just like fun and light and cheery and sometimes cheesy and sometimes witty and sometimes charming, mm-hmm. it's like I think Terry Pratchett is an appropriate choice. Mm-hmm. And if you want something that's like Howl's Moving Castle and that it's kind of like feminist and magic and adventure, then the fifth season is good okay that's much more serious and longer and yeah so those are my recommendations
0: thank you for those recommendations yeah you're welcome i appreciate it